Hello and welcome to episode 45 of The Worst Critics, where we talk to you about the latest and sometimes not so greatest in movies, music, television, and more. As always, I'm Noah Davis. I'm John Pino. And before we get to the news, I just want to make a quick PSA for anyone who has purchased a TV in the last decade or so to turn off a little option called uh, motion smoothing. Uh, frame interpolation or auto motion plus whatever it is if your tv or movies are looking like soap operas or high frame rate that is why turn that off unless you're i don't know playing a video game or so i i, I don't know what it's actually used for just just, just turn it off turn it off masochist and we don't have a lot of news today so we'll get right to it Amazon's Mr. and Mrs. Smith TV show has lost its co-creator slash executive producer slash co-star Phoebe Waller-Bridge following a creative difference with Donald Glover. Uh, it was described as platonically, uh, but like what what sort of situation like this isn't described as platonically, really? Uh, I, I think this is what happens when you have two like really creative people trying to show run the same show. Uh that that probably with drastically different styles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That that probably does lead to some conflicting ideas and conflicting uh, creative, I you know, motions or whatever. Uh, I I mean, I'm still excited for the show, but obviously, it's going to be a big gap to fill with what she brings and maybe the humor she would have brought to. It. I don't I don't know. Uh, moving on, Owen Wilson has been cast alongside Tiffany Haddish and Lakeith Stanfield in Disney's Haunted Mansion reboot. He is not confirmed to play a human or a ghost or anything but he has joined the cast and disney confirmed tiffany haddish and lakeith stanfield i think we talked about that being a rumor a couple weeks ago but it is official nowadays and nick cage has been cast in some random western movie called the old way i wouldn't talk about this because it doesn't look like it's any there's no real backing to the project but i will say it's nick cage's first ever western movie how does Uh... that happen I mean, I'm sure it's the first true Western, but like Raising Arizona was in the West, you know what I'm saying? And they were Western movie, not the same. They were good old American people, you know what I'm saying? I I just think it's crazy. This man's been acting for what, 30 years, probably, give or take 30, maybe 20 plus, almost 30 years. It's got to be at least 30, right? And he's never been in an old Western. Like, this is. I don't know. It's kind of crazy to me. I feel like that's almost a uh, a prerequisite of being a well known actor. You gotta you gotta play a cowboy sometime, you know, uh, who's who's out re- for revenge for someone killing his family, or you know, just some something dumb like that. Uh, it's just it's just surprising, really. I'll probably never watch the movie, but uh, yeah. Moving on, some more casting news: Morgan Freeman, Al Pacino, Helen Mirren, and Danny DeVito are set to star in a new neo noir film, Sniff. It is a film. About deaths in a rich people's retirement center. Thirty-eight. Oh, thirty-nine years. Thirty-nine years and no westerns. That's. I mean, I still think that's crazy. But uh, yeah, new neo noir film Sniff. It is a film about deaths in a rich people's retirement center. Mystery unravels. I don't know. It's kind of weird to have a neo noir film in a retirement center. But hey, I. I guess you gotta get the old actors' work too. Could be cool. I'm never not going to watch Danny DeVito in something, so sounds like a good idea. Viola also, Davis. Can we, oh, yeah. What? Can we can we talk about just for a second? What kind of like, you know, democratic elite baby blood Adonis DNA thing does he got going on that he's still alive with just how awful he 
just looks and how unhealthy he probably is and how old he is. Okay, you're acting like, like he probably of... doesn't have a dietitian on hand. I mean, he might have it on hand. It doesn't look like he's using her or him. It's just his shape of his body, okay? Okay, he can't help it. <laughs> he can't help that he's cherry-shaped. Yeah, yeah. He's like an egg. You just you tip him over. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, moving on. Viola Davis and Lashana Lynch, who is set to star in the new James Bond No Time to Die and was also in Captain Marvel, is going to star in The Woman King. Is a new movie written by director... Dana Stevens is a historical epic inspired by true events that took place in the kingdom of Dahomey, one of the most powerful states of Africa in the 18th and 19th centuries. Uh, you know, I, I feel as though you don't get a lot of movie about uh, like legitimate African culture and, you know, even ancient African culture. It's always, you know, uh, Nelson Mandel or so, somebody like that. It's usually more modern. So it's actually kind of nice to see something go back without being, uh, what white colonialism man saves the day? You know, so the only like other that. thing is ancient Egypt, but people just have made that so white in their recollection of it that people don't even remember that Egypt is in Africa. Yeah, dude. Uh, uh, what was it? Christian Bale and Joel Edgerton, dude. They're the most Egyptian-looking people I know. That uh, the Exodus Moses movie that really Scott said a few years ago. Is it, uh, what was it? Like The Rock did like the Scorpion and Scorpion but, King. Yep. Uh, what's his name? Brendan Fraser did the mummy. Ah, you know, at least he wasn't pretending to be Egyptian like the rock was, but, uh, well, I know, but, uh, but the, the person who like, didn't they like have a mummy person that wasn't just like all mummified wrapped in shit. And wasn't it just a white person? Mm, I couldn't tell you that man's actual nationality. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't know his name, so it's probably hard to Google real quick without just looking up the cast of The Mummy. I'll figure it out. I just very vividly remember the CGI that it took to create the Scorpion King and Mummy 2. That was just something to behold. If anyone hasn't seen that or a clip of that, you really need to go see how well they captured Dwayne Johnson's face. All right, I take it back. The guy who played Imhotep is South African. Uh, he is he is a white South African, but he is African. I mean, it's a little better, right? I, especially in the late nineties, I think that's like something. There's some some credit there. I mean, it's these Dutch and German, like oh, literally yeah, yeah. two generations back. So yeah, you know, <laughs> things happen. He's African, boy. Uh, moving on to a new untitled comedy from the creator of Blackish, Kenya Barris. It, has no real plot other than it's a family that have two opposing viewpoints and the family will include Jonah Hill and Eddie Murphy, who I do not believe have starred in a movie together or had any relations, you know, like within movies together. Uh, it'll be interesting to see two guys who's, I don't think they have similar comedies at all or comedic styles nope. whatsoever. Comedic styles are almost opposite. I would say, well, maybe not opposite early Jonah Hill. I could see being closer to Eddie Murphy, but Jonah Hill now. Yeah. Smoking well, cigarettes for the aesthetic, Jonah Hill. <laughs> I wait, got no does idea. he do that? <laughs> Each one? Yeah. No, I, no I, I'm not sure. Why should I He smokes that? American spirits. Oh, okay. That is definitely for the look. That is definitely... Those things <laughs> take too long to smoke. Too goddamn long. All right, moving on. Jodie Comer joins Joaquin Phoenix and Ridley Scott's newest movie, Kit Bag. Kit Bag? I feel like I'm pronouncing that wrong just because the word looks so simple. 
Uh, it is a Napoleon biopic who I assume is going to be played by Joaquin. Uh, nothing 100% confirmed. It will be his newest movie after that new Last Duel that comes out this year. Uh, Jodie Comer's in that too. So not entirely surprising to keep a working relationship going. I'm excited. I don't, I don't, I don't, I can't recall a Napoleon movie <laughs> like ever. Yeah, I don't, I don't think of one either, but are, have Joaquin Phoenix and really Scott worked together? I think that's also an interesting pairing. Uh, you know, you put me on the spot like the, uh, really Scott, the gladiator. So yes. Oh, nice. Yeah, so, yeah that yeah, is yeah. a good one. And now they I, worked well together. That yeah, that was, was a pretty good role. Joaquin killed it. Okay. <laughs> And hey, I mean, if it puts out anything close to Gladiator, I'll probably watch it. But Ridley Scott hasn't been known for that in the last few years. So uh, I remain not excited yet until I see a trailer or something. Moving on to some new TV or movie announcements. Whitney Houston biopic, I Want to Dance with Somebody, has confirmed it will be directed by Casey Lemons, who did the Harriet Tubman biopic, Harriet, and will star Naomi Aki, Aki who starred in uh, Rise of Skywalker and the most recent season of Master of None, the season five that just came out this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I have not seen the Harriet biopic, and it's it's crazy to me that a director would do two biopics in a row. But hey, if, you, if you're good at something and you like it, keep on doing you, you know? Right. <laughs> and I mean, it's not surprising that we're getting another biopic about another pop star. That's not surprising at all. Moving on to some reboots and sequel news, Ben Affleck and John Bernthal are set to return for The Accountant 2. There is no plot, there are no plot details or anything like that, but uh, I, I think people sort of like The Accountant 1. It was about a hitman who was really good at math or something, or he had a learning disability, but he's really good at killing people. There's something to it. I don't know. I remember people like not hating it, which is surprising coming from a Ben Affleck movie, because people... People tend to love to hate on Ben Affleck movies. They just, they love to hate it. Love to. Oh, sure. Moving on. Vacation Friends 2 has been announced. It will be about John Cena and his character's wife's honeymoon, which, spoilers for the movie Vacation Friends, uh, happens at the end. But Hulu confirmed that Vacation Friends 1 is now Hulu's most watched original movie. You're welcome, Hulu. And I think that's really the most important part of it, honestly, because I honestly couldn't tell you another who original movie, you know? Like, what, what's the competition here? What, what's, uh, I, what's that ranking? I would love to see that top 10 just so I could understand how that's impressive or unimpressive or what have you. Does the intern have some Castle, Hulu original movies? Castle Rock, I think, was a popular that's a show. one. Oh. That's shows, yep. Yep. So, yeah, I don't know if this is impressive or not, but Hulu seems to think it is. So, Ooh, yeah. the United States versus Philly Holiday, is that true? I, I couldn't tell you. I, I couldn't tell you. Hulu has, okay. is really bad about advertising themselves. I think Disney's oh, trying all, to shoot it in the knee. <laughs> that's all I got. Well, you know, it's the most watched Hulu original movie. And our last group of news, Venom 2, Let There Be Carnage release date has moved up by two weeks. It will now premiere on October 1st. I think it was supposed to be October 15th or 14th, something like that. And I guess they're taking their bets on maybe there will be another like COVID scare. So you might as well put this out as quickly as possible, trying to capitalize on the Shang-Chi hype because that has been 
making a, a good amount of money. Uh, maybe not like the best or the most peak Marvel money, but it's still making plenty of money, especially for a COVID movie. And I think it was Labor Day weekend is a slow weekend, but you know, it made it back number one. And speaking of Shang-Chi, Shang-Chi still doesn't have a Chinese release date. Uh, this is apparently due to the history of the Shang-Chi comics. And this it's just kind of weird because Marvel and Disney have been pivoting their movies towards Chinese audiences for the last, like, what, ten, five, ten years now? I mean, they literally made a character in Doctor Strange who wasn't, or sorry, who was Tibetan, but then they made her Tilda Swinton. <laughs> like, so like, there, there's Disney does this, but then they don't have this movie. That's a lot of Chinese mythology and you know uh, Chinese well, think, star. Like they don't have a release date. I assume that what they'll do. Not sorry, not what they'll do. I don't know why it is that China has issues with these kinds of movies. In the sense that. I'm American, and I go, let me try to flip the script. What if China was putting out these big blockbuster American movies with a bunch of Chinese actors just pretending to be, you know, American people, just like everyday Joe Schmo, Kentucky and white guy? I'd and totally I'm like, watch it. I would, pay, I would pay so much money to watch that because that would be the funniest shit I ever saw. But, of course, when it's treated as serious cinema, it, you know, it gets – there's a weird line of, you know – racism that plays a interesting line where i go you can make fun of fucking country boy white people all day or like i mean maybe they would get tricky if they like were doing like you know some kind of hip-hop series and it was like southern black people and it's just like chinese people putting on blackface or something but yeah i i mean i could see why there's issues there but i don't know it's just funny when you think about it when you flip the script the other way yeah i i honestly i i just don't know why they didn't clear this like months ago you know forever it doesn't make ago. any sense it doesn't yeah. make any sense I, someone at marvel messed up big mm-hmm. because i think there was an article i don't know a few months ago that said china makes up like 30 oh, percent of marvel's movie huge money. huge uh sector yeah so so losing out on that on your one chinese avenger uh i don't know man <laughs> it's kind of a bad move i think but uh, it has been a short news week because that is all for the news. <gasps> yes. What? Yes, your turn. All right, well, uh, how about you tell us what you did this week because my week is a blank sheet. What about the albums this week, man? You just going to skip over that? No one wants to know what albums come out this week? Oh, my turn. I see what you're saying. <laughs> there you go, Yeah. <laughs> Whoopsie. We'll get the intern uh, right on it. Right the intern on. the intern was really lazy this week. Really lazy. He just he wasn't even paying attention, you know? Not even you're fired actually. You know what? Go home. Um all right, September tenth, we've got Baby Keem's the melodic blue. Uh I don't know if you're familiar with the rock band, um there's Tennessee rock band from like Memphis, uh the band Camino. Yeah, yeah, I've I've like heard and it's not it's not that they are a band named Camino. Their name is the band Camino. Right. Yeah. I, I think okay. that's why I've heard of them. Yeah. They they have a they have a self titled album coming out. Um, Jazz Cartier has the floor print um, coming out, oh, which I believe is actually supposed to be an album and not a mixtape. But again, is that confirmed? Is it going to be a certified lover boy Donda type of? God knows. Yes. It's Jazz Cartier, so 
are we super hype anymore? I sort of am. Yeah, I I hope. I hope he has. He had the potential. So to me, he has the potential. You know. Then we've got uh, Casey Musgraves has a new album, Star Crossed. Again, she's really popular. We could have probably done that one, but then I would have to listen to Casey Musgraves. So (laughs) no. Uh, Metallica, everyone's favorite band in the world, has their fucking. 19 millionth album uh i i actually genuinely think it's number 19 or 20 it's somewhere around that is it, um, which, is it a real album or a compilation it's called the metallica blacklist so that could be compilation could be greatest hits kind of thing that sounds like a compilation but, to me yep um and then there was one more who am i forgetting um oh yeba yeah drake feature uh no, Smino. She had the Smino song. Mm, right? Drake feature. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> and she but was yeah, all, she did uh, have that Smino. She song. was a, she was a chance backup vocalist, okay? You're getting oh, it all okay. mixed up. Is she like Chicago based? Uh she is from Memphis, oh. uh Arkansas, but not Tennessee. Oh. Question mark. Okay. Um and I then I think she has connections because it's like uh oh there was someone else, maybe pj morton or somebody i feel like there was another chicago dude but i don't know who anyway um her album's coming out dawn um and that's kind of it as far as like big albums there's a j um is it balvin balvin a uh colombian dude that guy's like Re- super reggaeton. popular yeah that, that, he's got an album coming out as well but who listens to reggaeton he had a no. mcdonald's meal okay so yeah, everyone back up <laughs> yeah <laughs> so he made it okay yeah, so did Travis Scott, and uh, that's true. You listen to Astro World. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's true. True. All right. Anyway, that's that's the albums. The intern the intern has to be replaced. I'm sorry about that. I apologize. Putting someone path, out of, of a job. Wow. How yeah. could you? Yeah. I, actually, if you're looking for a job, we need an intern. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> send your applications to back completely unpaid. At, at and we're probably just going to ask random things of you. It's going to be great. Oh, it could definitely be paid. You know, we send a CV. We'll we'll consider a, a paid internship. You know, yeah. If the, if the... <laughs> Payment ranging from zero to twenty dollars, probably. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Annually. <laughs> so you did nothing this week. Is that what you were telling me? I mean, that's. I did watch an episode uh, of that HBO Max Stanley Tucci show, um, the final episode, and I will one more time recommend it to everybody because it's awesome. But <laughs> Outside of that, uh, no, I got really nothing else to talk about. What was the climax for Italy? You know, like how, so how did the story even, cap off? I am I genuinely thinking that it didn't even cap off, quote unquote, because I don't think they were released in the way that they were filmed. I think he was traveling uh. <laughs> all over, and then they put it out in order of what they thought was going to be like the most entertaining. Is what I took that as. Oh. Um, but the last region he was in, so he went to. Tuscany was the one I watched before, and then the last one was Sicily. Um, and it was awesome. I mean, it's dope. It's a great show. I can't recommend it enough. I think, honestly, if you were to pick any one out of the list, the two most interesting are probably Rome and, um, uh, what is it, Bologna. Um, really dope uh, episodes. Were those the finale, do you think? Or was Rome or Bologna? I, I think Rome might have been the last one. It felt like... A, like a terminal one. I mean, but Rome. Again, you know, that's, be wrong. that's the. I think that's the city people think. So like. But, but then I think wait. I think it was so good that they kind of wanted to reel you in with it and then just leave a eh, for one True. for the end. That works. I mean, that does work. That totally works. But uh, okay, uh, I'll tell you about my week. Uh, start with music because it's real quick. Found a new rapper, hip hop artist, Dizzy Faye. 
she had a new single called Body Move, and then I listened to her first mixtape called Freeform Mixtape. It's pretty dope. This, I did listen to all the songs you put on the oh, playlist. Nice. I just don't listen to my own music anymore because I don't have time to find anything. Right. Well, uh, she's pretty dope. Uh, Body Move is an awesome dance house club banger that I absolutely love, and it references the Ying Yang Twins, which... I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know the last time I actually consciously heard that term or that phrase. Uh, I, I was more of a fan of Booty 3000, I'll be honest, but teach their own. Well, that was on the Freeform mixtape. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Booty 3000 was really good. Uh, what was the other song I put on there that was pretty good? Uh, uh, Indica. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a good breakdown. Good, good breakdown. But I'll go to the TV things. Uh, I finished Samurai Jack. That's fantastic. Certified classic. It was already a classic before this final season, but now it's even more of a classic. Uh, I watched the new Netflix Bob Ross documentary called Happy Accidents, Betrayal, and Greed. It's, uh, I don't know, it's kind of cool knowing more about Bob Ross and stuff and how his legacy was kind of tarnished by people who were in control of like his actual name and trademarks and all that. Uh, so pretty much all I learned from the documentary is don't buy Bob Ross things or you're funding the people who basically hoard him out for money. Uh, so yeah, if you, if you see a cute mug or cute shirt with the Bob Ross, you're actually giving money to the bad people and not the good people. Like, uh, his son couldn't release a paint line with his own name on it. Steve Ross, because the Bob Ross Ross, is owned. Yeah. Because Ross paint was owned. Yep. Yeah. Which is. What did he die of, Bob Ross? Uh, brain cancer. Or, no, no, uh, not brain cancer. Uh, lung, or, no. It's a cancer. Throat cancer. It was like lymphoma or something. Uh, yeah, there because there was a thing, there was a little part of the interview where one of his friends posits that him using the paint thinner and flicking it around and inhaling that might have had something to do with it. Uh, I mean, he, that, he does specifically say that's just a theory, but, like, it's not the worst theory, I don't think. Because you can literally see like the specks of paint thinner that are just blasting into the air and aerosolizing, whatever, uh, and just into the air. So probably not good to breathe that in. Uh, Lymphoma. It, nice call, bro. It, t- it took me a second. I, I almost got there. Uh, so did the, the, the okay, last thing, pretty much. I watched the movie called Mississippi Burning, and it's about uh, it's a '90s movie, very Oscar bait like. It's about two. FBI agents who go to investigate the death of civil rights people, like civil rights movement workers. Yeah, it's exactly what you think it is. The movie is not like anything crazy. It's pure Oscar bait. It's just for acting. Uh, Willem Dafoe's in it, and he actually kills it. But there is it. Is it in the vein of? um, Oh God, what's that kid's name? The like Mike Bully, red hair kid. Yes. Yep. Him. Uh, is it like his character in the, um, oh my God, I just had the name of the movie. Judas? What? what do, yes, Judas and the Black Messiah, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> is it like just, if, if the whole movie was that? Yes, 100%, 100%, to the point it feels kind of exploitative, but you know, that's a little, that's a little thing. But uh, uh, I, I just want to say the movie is what it is. It's pretty good. I mean, it's a, it's a movie. It's, it, it looks amazing, but the 90s film on an HD screen, there's almost nothing better than that look to me because, oh, there's some shots that just look very good. But what I want to talk about that movie is that uh, the 90s version of the 60s KKK sounds exactly like modern-day, you know, uh, Q Klux Klan or whatever. Like, 
modern day cube people. They're literally, you know, in the script or whatever, they're asking uh, racist and whatever, what they think about it. And they say, oh, it's all deep state conspiracy, uh, all this and all that. It's it's hilarious just to see the parallels to modern day. Remind me the name of the movie again. Mississippi Burning. It was on HBO Max, I think. I think it was HBO Max. Uh, it's all right. It's all right. You don't have to watch it. But the, that's all I did for the week. If we want to already get to the reviews. I know. We're crazy. Um, I want to save the movie for last if you're cool with that. Totally um, fine with that. Totally fine because with that. Because this album, there is somehow a lot and not a lot to talk about. Not a lot to talk about. Um, so we listened to Certified Lover Boy by Drake this year. Uh, this week, what this year? <laughs> we listened to it this whole year. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I I technically did listen to it this year. Yeah. Uh, so my I I want to just start off. It's an hour and a half long. Yeah. The movie was hour and forty minutes. I know you mentioned this to me uh, in private off the record, but wow, what in the fuck? This is just like so unnecessarily. This is the most Drake project Drake's ever put out. Only because it's solely about streaming numbers and not about anything else. And that's evidenced by the song uh, Way Too Sexy. That sample playing the entire time. I mean, I almost, I turned around to liking it on the second listen just because it's a meme. Yeah, just because it's a meme. It's It's not even like... It's hilarious to listen to future rap over that. It's not even a clever meme or a... It's not even a God's plan meme, you know? (laughs) It's not funny. It's not interesting. They literally said, let's take a Drake beat from some Drake song off some album that you can't really remember and put this stupid-ass sample under it. And then, you know, we'll just put any random meaningless bars over it and uh, maybe say about you know, random too sexy line. And I think really only Future is the one who stuck with the theme. I don't think Drake said much. And I don't no, think uh, um, Young Thug did either. Uh, before, I, when you were talking about length, I, I think, I do believe this is the closest our album and our movie have been lengthwise. But to pile on to this kind of uninspired feel of this album and that song in particular, uh, it's kind of weird hearing Drake talk about how hard he is and how he can kill people. And it's like, you do know the album's called Certified Lover Boy, right? Like, is that ironic? And then if it is, why are half the songs about being a certified lover boy? Uh, right. there, there's a lot going on here, but it's not a lot that's interesting. Um, also, can we talk about yeah. the Girls Want Girls song? Did you find that to be like super cringe? I thought it was a Drake song, so you I know. felt like such like a male chauvinistic pig thing it, to it, be saying. I think and his I was wording like, was real bad. I was like, can't we like understand Drake that yes, women are going to crawl all over you and pretty much do whatever you say uh, because you're literally a billionaire uh, and you're very attractive. Because he's literally um, and, a lesbian, and the, right? And, and the women who are interested in him, you know, are are pretty much going to do that. So. If we move past that, how just like I don't even know, like uh, what's the word? Non-observant is he, or like not of the times? How like narcissistic, kind of just above everything, out of touch, maybe? Yeah, almost ignorant. Yeah, out of touch is probably a good one. Out of touch. Uh, like like what is the purpose of the song? And then of course, I mean, he has to have a little baby feature. That's pretty much a given at this point. But on this song, I'm just like, huh, um. I don't know. And a lot of the features, I was like, like, what is this? Like, I don't know what we're doing. No, like the, at um, at the bottom, uh, instead of YOLO, they did, uh, YOLT. 
You only live twice. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. <laughs> and I, I'm like, this I kind of like, didn't put that together, but Jesus, that's even worse somehow that you put it like that. Fucking, like he had the motto, okay, which is literally like now the most referenced song of our generation for sure. Like for a while, yeah, for a lot of people. Yeah, no, I think I think without a doubt, YOLO was like the most used word for like an entire two years. Um, and sure, I yeah, think people sure. are still casually using it and they just forget that, you know, Drake was the one who popularized that. But um, to kind of just do that such an injustice and like, I mean, that song was just awful. I thought, I don't know what you thought. Like, I, like the I Lil thought, Wayne and Rick Ross features, I was like, there's a reason they don't make music anymore. Well, see, I thought Lil Wayne's verse was so hard. It just didn't fit yeah. anywhere on this album and didn't fit on that song. And Rick Ross and saying, felt like he was kind of phoning it in. The song felt bad, and this could have been a classic case of just, like, they sent Rick Ross a finished song, and we're like, hey, you want to put in a fucking verse? And he was like, sure, I don't even care. Here's a verse from another project. <laughs> and so they just sent him a verse. They just tried to match the BPM almost. A hundred. I mean, I, I wouldn't doubt that's exactly how it worked, by the way it sounds for sure. Uh, I will say there are bars after bars after bars. If you just want to hear Drake talking and being a good rapper, then by all means, listen to this album. But if you're oh, just this album's not even bad. It's just it's not. It's what not. Do you, what do you like? If you want radio music, like this is your playlist for the next I don't know six months. Yeah, months. it was almost more of a playlist than a fucking album. Like it felt like it just happened to have Drake inside it. Uh, I it seemed weird to me that the second half of the album, where it kind of slows down and he becomes all talk about girls again and not right. about Sad how hard boy, he is. Introspective. That's when it was actually pretty good. Drake. Yeah, I thought that was like, okay, if this was just this half of the album, I think this would have been a a good album. But since there's literally an hour and a half of material and maybe half of that is good and then maybe parts of the good half are great, you know, it's it just it, it seems so lackluster, especially for him. Like this is this is below Scorpion somehow, and Scorpion wasn't my favorite Drake project. Uh I, I think this might be I above Scorpion for me, but you know, Drake's discography is pretty crazy, and the albums are so long at this point that it's hard to even give them a real fair evaluation, I feel yep. like, because listening through it in a sitting is, like, one of the most difficult tasks of all time, and listening to it twice for any kind of real semblance or opinion is, like, just nightmare fuel. Well, what's worse is I think it got more enjoyable the second or third time I listened to it, but I don't I know if that's... That. I don't know if that's... I actually enjoyed it more, or I knew it's exactly Stockholm what Syndrome. was coming. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You feel trapped, so you just yeah. get used to it. I got an hour left. I got, I got to like this somehow, you know? Uh, I, um, yeah, well, any what good songs? Think, oh, I was going to say, what did you think about... There was two songs in particular I wanted to ask your opinion about before I kind of gave my real thoughts about the thing. Mm -hmm. um, and that was Knife Talk, the 21 Savage, about halfway through. It's like song 13. Um, mm -hmm. And then the Ty Dolla Sign, the Get Along Better one. That was one of the ones I liked, uh, just because again it was that lovey dovey Drake that I think Drake and I think I think Ty Dolla Sign we both have a, a predilection towards. Listen, he's just an amazing singer. Okay, his voice is silky smooth. I can't help it. Like I, I, I just can't. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's he doing. does. He really does. Uh, yeah, I, I, I like that uh, Ty Dolla Sign uh, one a lot, and then uh, Yeba's Heartbreak I really liked because. Was yeah, but, it was Drake even in that? I think I listened to that sure. multiple times, and I don't think he was in that. So it's kind of weird that it's featuring Yeba, even though he's you know yeah, I mean, he's it's, not just because it's on his album. 
I guess know? so. I guess that's how that works. But I, I mean, know. it's probably just to help her glow up. You know what I mean? Just throw a song of hers on his album. That's true. I'm sure it did help her listening numbers or Spotify uh, statistics or whatever you want. Exactly um, that. I, I, you know, I don't. I think too sexy or whatever that one's called. I think that was the only like really offensively bad song. Uh, it'd be surprising if this song didn't have good songs or didn't have bad songs, you know, just because it's again, an hour and a half as we've said. Wait, multiple sorry. Times. What did you say about the 21 Savage one? Oh, uh, it was okay. It wasn't my favorite or my least favorite. I wasn't, I wasn't passionate about it either way. I think similar to Ty Dolla Sign for me, the 21 Savage, um, I, I just like 21 Savage so much. I don't yeah, care what he's on. He's it's just like, it always like, it's simply about the, the, like, uh, what is it? The timbre of his voice. And just like, he has very, he does not switch up his flow at all. It's always no. it, like monotone almost. Yeah. But, uh, I, 21's always had a, uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, I always looked to 21 as like one of the better newer rap. Well, maybe not newer anymore, but you know, of that wave of rappers, just because that one album, uh, where it's like, I it's black and white and his eyes are crossed or whatever crossed out. That album was an absolute banger. And before that, I really didn't care for that man. But, uh, ever since that album, I love seeing him on a feature. love seeing him on album. So like where that song might've been. Okay. 21 probably killed it. I can't imagine it off the top of my head, but you know, I, I think he always does a service to a song. I am greater than I was. Yes, and it's a greater was, than sign. That was an amazing album. Fantastic. It's a dope album, album and it's yep. a dope name, and it's a dope album art. I mean, it's just yeah, yep. you can't beat it, really. Uh, I you know, um, I don't know. Uh, I'm just gonna last bits of my review. I'm gonna say it felt very unenthused. It felt like Drake doesn't have to fake it till he makes it anymore, and you he can just fake it. Yeah, he doesn't have a he doesn't have a hunger or a thirst anymore, and it, it it comes off that way. It definitely comes off that way. It feels like he knows this is gonna make him oogles of money, and he doesn't care. I forgot and this is relevant to the review, but okay, this it, I mean he's so um, just commercial and a brand at this point that even the beef. Okay, like I remember at the beginning of college, like just after we graduated high school, um, there was the uh, Meek Mill beef. You know, over oh, yeah. Nikki and everything, and yeah, then they did so. the back to back, and they did the um, I forget what Meek Mill's disses were, but they were all not even close. Like not Drake good, just, yeah. I don't care if it was Ghost Riders, I don't care what it was, but like that yep. beef was interesting to follow, and there was like productive, like creative things that came out of it. All the beef now is like simply for clout, and it's like one of the most infuriating things. Like this Kanye beef is like the most artificial bullshit thing I've ever heard in my life. There is not a fucking chance in hell that that is any real beef and that it has inspired any kind of creativity. So I just want to say fuck them both. Yes, uh, 100%. I'll that's just on... a sellout. It's a, it's a strategy. It's a marketing tactic, and it's annoying. I'll, I'll tack on to say that somehow Drake released an unreleased Donda song, so that's that's literally proof in my mind that they are you know, uh, on the download texting each other. Yeah, texting together, each other. Yeah. yeah. And being like, oh, I'm going to drop that message you sent me. I'm going to screenshot that message you sent me or some shit. Or, you know, I'll have somebody figure out how to screenshot a fake message on an iPhone because I doubt Kanye could do that. Uh, but, you know, it, it does feel artificial and it, it kind of hampers these albums a little because, I mean, I, I'll say it off the cuff. This is somewhat better than Donda, but that's not saying that much. It's really not. I, I haven't even given Don the listen yet, so no, no comment. Well, uh, you want to give it a score? Uh, five, five, maybe a six, maybe, maybe. I was a, I was a strong five. Strong. I'll, I'll say five, five. Then how about that? 
Yeah. Five out of ten. So, Sorry, CLB. Vacation Friends I, now? Yep, yep. Vacation Friends 2021 movie. Uh, definitely Lil Rel Howry. Right. Definitely and not him Hannibal and Burris. not Hannibal Burris. God, um, God, I didn't even remember that. Because I literally didn't know those were two different people for some time. Um, shame so on Space me. Jam, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, and so... Uh, also, John Cena. Uh, I yes. forget the lead women's names, but they're kind of new to me anyway. So and I don't they, know. They that. weren't billed. Like, they weren't on the poster. If you literally look on the poster, it's John Cena, Wilbur Howery names. Well, um, that's fucking industry sexism, okay? I mean, no, Blame 100%. The patriarchy. I, yeah, 100%. Blame the patriarchy. I, yeah, I'm not going to argue that one bit. It's uh, Yvonne Orji and Meredith Hagner. So, there. We said them. And household names they deserve they deserve they deserve credit i thought they were actually really good they do I, they do I, you know what Nef- or not netflix hulu um i commend you because i was so pleasantly surprised this could have yes. been easily the biggest pile of dog shit i've ever watched and yep. it just totally wasn't yeah literally I, the first two minutes i was thinking to myself this is gonna be rough as shit but then maybe in the next three minutes they already had me laughing like out loud and i don't know if a comedy has you laughing in the first five minutes there's there's a little glimmer glimmer of hope, you know, and it kept it up. You know, I think that's the most important, important aspect of a comedy movie is literally its humor and the actual comedy at hand. And I felt like that was consistent. I thought John Cena was way funnier than he should ever be. I don't think he was completely agree. Yeah, I, I don't think he's ever been this funny. Uh, Never. Yeah, exactly. But he was absolutely nailing it in this just to his deliveries his face, I, I think he's actually been like taking acting classes or, you know, gotten gotten a professional actor who helps these types of people, celebrities turned actors. But it really seems like he was selling his acting, you know, and it he did well, especially opposite of Lil Rel Howry. Uh, Lil Rel Howry kind of kind of not as funny, uh, but he was playing the I guess the tight knit kind of guy. Yeah, like the anxious, nervous, kind of like weirdo, recluse. Like yeah, I, I feel yeah. like that's not exactly where that man shines. But no. he still was able to pull it off and still bring a solid comedy. It was inoffensive. There was nothing There was nothing like that. There weren't like terrible, terrible jokes that I remember to the second because of how so, bad they were. That was my biggest comment about this whole thing was that for these usually like poorly budgeted, poorly titled, kind of cheaply made run-of-the-mill comedies that basically just hope to make their budget back um what uh like tremendous script they had and like clever jokes and yes they were like all the tropey things you would expect about a vacation style movie yep but it was actually like done in a unique way so it was like the same tropes of like oh here's a problem that happens on a vacation like oh our room is messed up oh there's these annoying people on the trip oh like you know we're having relationship issues oh there's a problemental you know, if it's a if it's a husband, the in-law father, or if it's the woman, the in-law mother, like those all existed in this movie, but each dynamic was like interestingly handled. So I was actually pleasantly surprised. I I said this, um, and this is going to be controversial. For what I was expecting, and what we got, I think this is like a better movie than um, uh. Oh my god, how do I keep blanking on the names of the movie? What was the Pixar movie? We- Luca, Jesus Christ. Luca, I was going to yeah. say Luca. And um, obviously they're different types of movies, but I went like... Uh, so Bridget was like very unimpressed by this movie, and I was like, really? I was really? like 
kind of blown away because I was laughing well enough to say that I enjoyed it, and yeah. I could probably rewatch that I like not soon, this. but mm-hmm. maybe like a couple months. Like not, I don't have to wait a long time. Well, I um, I, I think that sorry if I'm derailing you, but I oh, think that oh, speaks it. I think that speaks to the movie's flow and like you were saying the the writing and the how the movie's budgeted like this, but this movie did have a really nice flow and like you said, there are a lot of tropes like the vacation thing, but spin that around. I think it, the way it handled how many locations there were, like through the use of the actual, you know, the vacation and the vacation friends, because what, there are only two locations in this whole movie or three, if you count like sort of off the resort or whatever. Uh, Yeah, it's like, it's like the resort, the beach, and then the wedding venue. Yeah. And then maybe a golf course for a second, but that's technically still the wedding venue. So yeah. Yeah, and I think that's really clever how they're able to do that because, you know, some of these comedies get a little out of hand. They're all over the place. They're in 20 different locations. Ha ha, it's funny because they're in a new place. But no, this movie was able to kind of hone that in and ring it in just so that's a very concise, not long comedy. Like, it didn't didn't overstay its welcome at all, you know? Uh, Right. I, I even thought the score was totally fine. There wasn't... You know, I there wasn't like anything crazy, but the score was totally fine. I really liked the ending. Uh, I think that was a nice way to cap it off, but also leave room for a second one. Um, Which I I do it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. And yeah. honestly, at this point, based on this one, now my expectations will be a little high, but I would very willingly watch that movie. Hundred um, percent. Any uh, last minute thoughts? Things you want to uh, mention or talk I, about? Or? I mean, without just talking about the money stuff, or not the money stuff, the actual gags and the jokes and stuff. I was going to say the money gag where he's about to tip the guy, but he just gives him the whole lot of hundreds. Uh, <laughs> it was just like you can talk about specific gags, and I guess that's the problem with reviewing comedies. But uh, here we are. Uh, I will say the movie feels a little dated. Just a little dated. I'm not saying uh, like, yeah, maybe just a I'm few years. I'm curious if this had any intention of being done pre-COVID and then COVID just derailed it and then, That's you know, exactly what I thought. Exactly what I thought. Uh, I don't think there's too much else. I do want to say, I guess we have this weird question of who did Fox CGI better, Green Knight or Vacation Friends? Because I was, during the scene, I was like, oh, no, I don't I don't know which one's better, if this looks worse Vacation Friends, I genuinely think, did it better. It was uh, bad. Yeah. But I think it was better. Also, the uh, the drug scenes and the drunk scenes, obviously, they did take their liberties, but I think they did that, like, actually pretty well. Uh, the, the effects and stuff they did, and obviously, if they're going to drink that much, they'll die. But what they did, like, during those montages and those scenes were actually really well done, and uh, I don't know. I, this is a solid-ass movie. Like, if you were just bringing comedies, this would be pretty damn high, honestly. But, uh, you know, what's its regular movie score, you know? I would say my minimum that I would be willing to give it is a seven. Um, I could be, I could possibly be talked up to at most an eight, but somewhere in that realm of seven to eight. um, I was thinking seven, five. I was going to say I'm happy with seven, five. Um, I was, I came up with this in my head just a second ago, so I'm I'm just going to vocalize it now. So maybe we can use it later, but I was trying to think of what's the threshold at which I would recommend a movie on a movie that I gave a score to, and I think seven is like the minimum I would need to give a recommendation. And then I was like, what would be like a okay, here like a recommendation with some qualifications, like, oh well, you know, 
you could also certify love of wild. I don't necessarily recommend it. But if you like Drake, like, oh yeah, go go for it, you know? I think that's like between a five and a seven. And I think anything less than a five, like it needs a serious like you need some serious qualifications. So I was like, okay, seven I think is at, at the very minimum for this because I this is totally recommend like, yeah. as far as right. comedies that have come out recently, I couldn't name you a funnier comedy that have come that's come out recently. Uh you put me on the spot so I literally can't. But I think if you gave me time I I might be able to. I but I uh, might uh, be like able last to. like like last three months comedy. Oh, last three months, no way, yeah. This is definitely like like free guy is not even close to this. Yeah. What what did we give free guy? Well, no, free guy was like a seven, seven five, I think. think But it wasn't like a true comedy, you know what I mean? Like it had a real plot and it had an interesting thing. So I don't know. This is like for like strict almost family comedy that they turned R rated. I don't know. I'm I, you know what? I'm gonna go up to an eight. I'll say an eight. Yeah. Fuck hell yeah. Well, hell yeah. We'll give it an eight. I mean, I'm totally fine with that. Like, if you were reviewing comedies in a vacuum, this would probably be like a nine or something. But yeah, regular scroll. I'll give it an eight. I really don't. I don't mind that. Uh, anything else you want to say? Ready? Controversial take. Yes. More John Cena? Question. No, we definitely need more John <laughs> Cena. We need more John Cena now. And the, more John Cena like this. Also. Yes. Funny John Cena. We need more funny John Cena and less Marine John Cena. Yeah, totally. Uh, I, Man, this is a short one, but I guess that'll be it for episode 45 of The Worst Critics. Catch us next week on episode 46, where we will be reviewing The Melodic Blue by Baby Keem and the Annette movie. Is it an Amazon Prime original? I'm not sure if it's an original, but it's definitely streaming on Amazon Prime if you would like to watch it, Smile. Okay, well, we are streaming the new-ish movie, Annette, featuring Adam Driver. And, yeah, we will see you next week on episode 46. This has been The Worst Critics, and I want to shout out to the D.C. slash Baltimore area for giving us a lot of downloads. So whoever you are, shout out to you and the one guy in Nigeria. Thank you. The one guy in Lagos, thank you. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. (laughs) And as always, I'm Noah Davis. I'm John Pino. And we'll catch you next week. We're out of here.